Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. If you or someone you know is experiencing a mental health or substance use crisis, having thoughts of suicide, or just needs to talk, call 988. 988 provides 24-7 direct connection to free, confidential, and compassionate support in your phone's local area code. When you call 988 in Santa Clara County, you'll talk with trained crisis counselors who will support you and connect you to local resources if needed. You are not alone in crisis. There is hope. I've confronted hundreds of men over two decades. I have been in television for 24 years. I just came to get something to eat. And I have very seldom been at a loss for words. I just came to get something to eat. Men online looking for children to sexually assault. What's the motive here? It's, Explain it to me. I'm no, not you're kidding. right. No, you're right. It's stupid. It's, it's not. It's an no. illegal thing. Yeah, I know. I did a stupid thing. Men from all walks of life. A doctor, a teacher, a clergyman. You sent pornographic pictures through the mail. Okay, that's a federal offense right there. You know I'm in trouble, and I know I'm in trouble. I tried to get into their heads and understand why. Who's who we have tonight? Uh, I, I want to know who you are. I want to know a little bit more about you first. Can I eat first? Sure, go ahead. Let's see if any of this sounds familiar while you enjoy your pizza. And ultimately, make sure they face justice. You ask her if she's a virgin. I ask everybody all kinds of stuff. It's just talk. You ask her if she's horny. What's wrong with that? You ask if she does anal. It's a question. Question. Who are they? Have they tried to prey on other children? And where are they now? These... If you or someone you know is experiencing a mental health or substance use crisis, having thoughts of suicide, or just needs to talk, call 988. 988 provides 24-7 direct connection to free, confidential, and compassionate support in your phone's local area code. When you call 988 in Santa Clara County, you'll talk with trained crisis counselors who will support you and connect you to local resources if needed. You are not alone in crisis. There is hope are the predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen. People always ask who the most dangerous predator I've caught is in my mind. And I always answer pretty much the same. It's about a hundred way time for first. And then I highlight one of the cases where a former law enforcement officer, for instance, in Flagler Beach had multiple weapons in his car. But the reality is, even one of these guys who's dopey at best can still be very dangerous. And Michael Patterson is a prime example of that. Patterson surfaced in our investigation in Bowling Green, Kentucky. 
and he holds a special place in To Catch a Predator history for a number of reasons, and I'll get into all that in a moment here. But Patterson had been a police officer trainee in Hebron, Indiana. He's 24 years old. When I say dopey, he's not the kind of guy who should be a cop, right? He's a cop wannabe. He can get on the list, he can pass the classes, he can pass the physical, but almost immediately, the guy does something that should and did, in this case, disqualify him from being a cop. And that does not, however, take away from the fact that he's a very dangerous guy. Because some of these guys, and again, I have hundreds and hundreds of friends and acquaintances, men and women in law enforcement, for whom I have the utmost respect, with whom I have some of the deepest friendships in my life, a true camaraderie because of what I do and the kind of reporting I do. But you get these guys once in a while whose zeal to become a law enforcement comes from a a place of wanting to control other people, to have power over other people, to abuse the privilege and the image of being involved in law enforcement. And sadly, we see this in the To Catch a Predator investigations. And we saw it just a few weeks ago, again, in Goodrich, Michigan, when Todd Baracco, a police officer from Vassar, Michigan, walked into our predator investigation there. And we'll get into details about that case very soon on the YouTube channel, Have a Seat with Chris Hansen, and it will be part of our new series on our new crime streaming network, True Blue. More on that later. But Michael Patterson was a police trainee cadet in Indiana, as I mentioned. And during the process of trying to become a real police officer, he had purchased red and blue lights, police lights, a package for his personal car. And he got caught trying to pull someone over, give him a ticket or something even more sinister, I suppose. And he was dismissed, taken off the list to become a police officer. And I'm sure the authorities there in Indiana were relieved that They caught this before they put him on the force. And you'll see why shortly. And you also have to wonder, why does somebody on their off hours pose as an on-duty cop to pull somebody over? What are they looking for? And in my suspicious mind, I think, well, in cases like this have demonstrated this, that these guys are looking to pull over single women in some cases threaten them with some sort of a ticket and then try to bargain some sort of sexual favor. And this is a crime that we see occasionally. So Michael Patterson washes out and then we find him in October of 2007 in a chat room where he approaches a decoy working for Perverted Justice, the online watchdog group, with which we collaborated on a number of these predator investigations. And he starts in and starts chatting. Now, Tia, the name of the decoy, Tia Pet, a play on Chia Pet, 
clearly says she's 13 years old. In fact, 13 is in the screen name. T-T-T-A-Pet 13. Michael Patterson goes by the screen name John Raven 2000. And he admits that he's 24. And they talk in the chat about, well, the inappropriateness, at least Michael thinks at first, of him talking to somebody that age. It's not a very long chat as these things go. And in other cases, and especially in Bowling Green, we had chats go for ever. Lauren Armstrong's looked like a telephone book. But here, John Raven 2000, a.k.a. Michael Patterson, says, Hi, identifies himself as 24, male Indiana. She says, Kentucky. He says, youngin'. Tia says, ain't a baby. LOL, he says. Why you say that? Because I bet you think I am. And this is common banter on the part of the decoys, keeping their minds open to a sexual encounter, but not first bringing up a sexual encounter or making the first approach. The decoy says, no one wants to talk to me because they think I'm a kid or something. They don't want to get in trouble, he says. Well, that's about what's going to happen to Michael Patterson. I ain't going to get anyone in trouble. Jeez. What do you think? I'm going to get you in trouble too? I ain't a cop. Like with that stupid Dateline show, I ain't a baby. (laughs) So she even says in the chat, I ain't a cop with that stupid Dateline show. He says, I'm old. 24 is old, she asks? Yes. She says, I didn't call you old. Why you say old? I know. I don't think 24 is old. Too old to do anything with you. Then she says old is like if you was old enough to be my dad or something. He says you are young. To what? Talk to? That's dumb. Yes, he says. Now, in the beginning, he seems to be cautious. But it turns out that this is all part of the grooming process. Until he gets into this. You wouldn't know what to do with me. Am I supposed to know what to do with old men? Only with me. Okay, door's open now. Here we go. Finally, he says, you want to go out tonight? For real, she says. Yes, for real. You want to? Messing with me now, she says. No. Oh my God, what are you saying? I do. I do too. What are you doing? You there? And there's a lot of chit-chat, again, mundane. And then he gets right back into the grooming. You ever did anything with a guy? Like what? Fooled around stuff. I had a boyfriend before. What did you do? We did girlfriend-boyfriend stuff, you know. Did you suck him, he says. Jeez, would you do it to me, he asks. I have a big dot, 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 LOL. What, she says. You know. LOL, no what? My blank I-C-K. You have a ick? Ick, ick, ick? Dick, he says. Crazy, LOL. She asks, so how is that bad? Too big for you. How you know? What do you want to do, he asks. You want me to come there, he says. You really want him? Yes. So now he's committed. Even though Michael Patterson lives 
more than four hours away. Now, he's already looked on the computer because he knows that she's in Bowling Green, Kentucky or thereabouts. And he's up in Indiana. So he's about to drive five hours. Five hours to see a 13-year-old girl. He wants to know if she's alone. Yes, my mom went to Nashville till Sunday. She says she's bored. And then he says, that would be a long drive if you are playing with me. I promise I ain't, she says. Back and forth. And then he gets on the road. It's a pretty short chat. But there are phone calls. Phone calls between Michael Patterson and the decoy where he talks about carrying a gun with him and there's more sexual talk initially there's talk about making spaghetti for dinner how she spilled spaghetti sauce all around the house and then he proceeds to get into a little bit more detail what we're gonna do um whatever you want Whatever I want. <laughs> I'm not going home until late tomorrow, so whatever. What did you say? Didn't you say, what are we going to do? Yeah. Yeah. I said, whatever. Okay. <laughs> you have such a cute little voice. Thank you. He asks what they're going to do, and she says, whatever you want, basically, and he thinks he hears something else. He gets nervous. You can hear a certain authority in his voice. He wants to control the situation and make sure that his five-hour-plus drive is going to be worth it. Yeah, I've already went 90 miles. Oh, my gosh. Where are you? I'm almost at Indianapolis soon. Oh. Jeez. You're hitting me. You're making me tired. Oh, I'm sorry. But I can't wait. I'm excited. Yeah, you better be nice to me. And don't tell on me. I'm not going to tell on you. More about this predator I've caught in a moment. Can't get enough of true crime talk? Be sure to check out Innocent Till Tipsy, hosted by TikTok true crime star Danielle Del Olio and her co-host Max. Listen as these two sit down with a bottle of wine and discuss wrongful convictions, unsolved cases, and what you can do to make the world a better place. Grab a drink and stay a while. Innocent Till Tipsy releases episodes every Wednesday, and you can listen wherever you get your podcasts. And then after more chit-chat on the phone call, he wants to make sure that she's not going to contact anybody else online. No more chatting. And we believe this is for two reasons. One, he wants to control the scenario, make sure no one else shows up. He wants to be the only adult coming over to have sex with this girl and wants to make sure nobody else interrupts that or catches him. Listen to what he says. Hey, do me a favor, though. I told you that. Yeah? Uh-huh. I'm the last person you're going to meet online. I won't meet anybody else. Yeah, because I don't want you to. That's that's not good, you know, especially that far away. But but I won't do it, you know. You know me so far. I, I'm a detective and stuff. And 
so you shouldn't be afraid of me. But, but a lot of but a lot of other people, you should be. I'm probably like the one in a million that you <laughs> you'd be you're safe with me. But yeah, you're safe with me. I'm one in a million. Michael Patterson says. So now he's pretending like she's going to be okay with him because he's a law enforcement officer, so he says. But there are other creepy guys out there, he seems to prefer that, who may cause her harm. And then he talks about what he is going to do with his life. Says he's going to school to continue his education, to become a forensic detective. You're really a detective? That's so cool. Like, yeah, that's what I'm going to school for, a, uh, to be a forensic, so forensics detective or probably CIA agent, I don't know. So cool. And you like blood and, like, stuff like the guys on TSI do? Yeah. But before he wraps up the call, he instructs her that while she's in the shower, he should, well, I'll let him say it, but do some personal grooming. You better, you better shave your all over for me. <laughs> I said shave good for me. Oh, shave? <laughs> yeah. Okay. 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 I guess I can do that, yeah. You can do that? Mm hmm Where are you going to shave at? Um, my legs. Shave your legs and in between and everywhere else. Oh. <laughs> I don't have much, but okay. So he's given his marching orders, and he's closing in on Bowling Green, Kentucky. Now, this is one of the investigations where Casey Morrow was our on-site decoy, and she was great in all of these investigations. And in this particular case, she had developed confidence and the ability to talk to these guys and sort of get them to bring us and the audience into what would really happen if a young girl or boy was there and, and we were not. In, in most cases, they were very excited to see Casey. She was of age but looked much younger, and she knew how to play the role. But because he said he was a police officer, because he mentioned that he always carried a gun, we had to take some special precautions. Now, law enforcement authorities, they're a very professional task force of uh, sheriffs and local police, and state Kentucky agents, obviously knew this as well. And we had collaborated in terms of a plan to make sure he didn't carry a gun inside the house. And if we couldn't be comfortable with that, Obviously, law enforcement would have arrested him before he came in and would have used the police interview with Patterson later. And this has happened before. So when he comes up, he drives into the driveway. Casey goes to the door and she asks him a series of questions and makes him almost do a Simon Says routine to make sure that he isn't carrying a gun. And you may remember some of this. Ronnie Knight, our security person, was just outside of sight. He was right there within arm's reach of Casey. And sort of 
helping her to make sure that this guy didn't have a gun. Now, he didn't take this very seriously, Michael Patterson. He thought it was a big joke. And so listen as Casey tells him to do certain things, lifting up his shirt, lifting up his pant legs, to make sure that he was not carrying a weapon. Hey! Oh, my God. You didn't really bring your gun with you, did you? Because that kind of freaks me out. No. Well, you said you always carry it with you. It's in my car. Uh, I don't believe you. Patterson says he's got the gun okay, but it's in his car. And then Casey walks him through the rest. Seriously, like... Lift up your shirt. Turn around. Lift up your pants. (laughs) You're good. You're killing me. Pull your pockets inside out. Um, um. <laughs> your other pocket. That's right. Pull your pockets inside out, which he does. He's so excited to go inside, it doesn't seem there's anything it wouldn't do. Come on, you gotta trust me. I don't have it on my hair. All right, I guess I believe you. Okay, close your door. Come on in. What do you know, Amy? Well, I wasn't sure. You said you always carried it with you. Huh? I wasn't sure because you I said don't know. So he walks in. And he thinks it's one big joke, right? But he does take his shoes off. Now, apparently he's okay with raping a 13-year-old girl, lying about being a cop, on and on and on. But he doesn't want to mess up this big, beautiful house. And if you recall, the home in Bowling Green was was quite something. It was about 6,000 square feet in a beautiful neighborhood. And we had two easy boy-like chairs in the living room facing each other. Change it up a little bit. And we figured that if the predator was comfortably seated in one of these chairs it would be difficult for him to get up it would be just as good as a barrier a kitchen counter to have some distance between him and the decoy and him and me more about this predator i've caught in a moment people don't always realize that physical symptoms like headaches teeth grinding and even digestive issues can be indicators of stress I often say that pressure makes diamonds, meaning that a little stress can keep you on your toes. But the reality is, after a week like the one I just had, doing predator investigations and traveling around on other projects, the stress can get to you. And you need to talk to somebody. I need to talk to somebody. It's important. You need to release that stress and put the pressures of everyday life into perspective. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. Give it a try and see if online therapy can help lower your stress. Predators I've Caught listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com Hanson. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Hanson. So he comes in, sits down, makes himself comfortable. He's clearly excited to be face-to-face with Casey. And she asks him about his job as a police officer. So you're a cop, not a detective? Detective, yeah. I'm a lieutenant. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So you're excited? Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Are you excited? Yeah. So, what do you want to do? We're sure of that. Let's go through the house. Look at it. This is a huge house. 
Not only does he lie about being a police officer, he says he's a lieutenant, a detective. And then he goes on to talk about, as you heard, how beautiful the house is. And, and at this time, right about now, I, I feel it's time for me to walk out and confront him. And so I do it, and I address him as if he were a police lieutenant. So, Lieutenant. What's up? What are we investigating tonight? Nothing much. What's your plan here? I just drove down here. To... And how long was the drive? <laughs> five and a half hours. Now, what would motivate somebody to drive five and a half hours to come here to this house? I don't know, sir. But you got to know. You're the one who did the driving. I know. And in my mind at this point, I really don't know that he's a cop. I mean, he says he's a cop. We think he's got a gun in his car. And he's shaking his head when I ask him if he's a lawman that, in fact, he is. Now, remember, this guy drove five-plus hours to get here to meet a 13-year-old girl. And his story is about to come to an end. Now, you're a lawman? So if you're doing the interview, what would you want to know most? Basically, why was I here? Yeah, why were you here? I'm just, you know, I'm just lonely. I don't have anybody, and I need somebody to talk to. You knew she was 13. She told you. I was kind of worried about it. I, I told her I'd, <laughs> she was five years older. I didn't mind talking to her. But, but you kept talking anyway. Yes. He admits that he knew she was way too young for him. He claims he was just lonely and looking for somebody to meet. Later, he would say that he was going through a divorce, as if that would somehow justify any of this. I confront him with some of the chat logs, and he thinks it's funny. He's laughing, probably somewhat nervous laughter, but he is acting like this is no big deal. You wouldn't know what to do with me. <laughs> Am I supposed to know what to do with old men? Only with me. <laughs> So this is funny. I know. I'm sorry, sir. It's funny. What do you think should happen to a police officer who gets caught doing something like this? Well, really bad could happen. How long have you been in law enforcement? Just a year now. Explain to me why somebody with apparently so much going on would take that risk. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm going through a divorce, partially. So that makes it okay? No, it's not okay. It would never be okay. Not for anybody. What do you suppose your chief's going to say about this? He's going to be too happy. He admits that what he did was wrong. He's still playing like he's a law enforcement officer. I ask him what he thinks his chief would say about this, and you heard what he said to that. And I introduce myself. He apologizes, quote-unquote, man-to-man, and he gets ready to leave. And this is when we see something, as I mentioned we've never seen before or since in any predator investigation. And this is how quickly these investigations can go from relative calm and control to virtual chaos. Well, there's something you gotta know. And it's I'm Chris Hansen with Dateline NBC. And we're doing a story on adults who try to meet young teens online for sex. I apologize, man to man. All right. So Patterson heads to the door. He gets there and he's got to put on his shoes, which he took off, as to not dirty the floor. And 
the officers were going to act more quickly than usual because, you know, the potential that he had a gun in his car. And so he gets to the door and the officer orders him to come out. And it's not clear as to whether Patterson doesn't understand. He's obviously surprised that law enforcement is there. He thinks he's survived the worst of it being confronted by me. But now he's at the front door of this beautiful home. Law enforcement's outside. And they're shouting orders. And instead of following those orders, this idiot steps back into the house. For someone with even the least amount of law enforcement training, you would think that he'd just walk out, get on his knees, be cuffed, and that'd be the end of it. But not Michael Patterson. He backs up into the house. Now, we're watching this. And as he does, the law enforcement properly uses a taser to subdue him. The problem is that not... The problem is that only one probe of the taser attaches. So you hear this clickety-clickety-clickety of the, the taser, but it's not having any impact on Patterson because the other probe needed to complete the circuit to debilitate Patterson doesn't connect. So he freaks out. He hears the noise, and he comes running back into the house. Now, we are prepared for a lot of different things to happen. And when something like this goes on, we get out of the way. We let law enforcement do its job, which is precisely what we did here. He comes back in, and the police are hot on his tent. And this time, they're not going to play around with the taser, because this time, once he's on the ground, he gets the taser right to the neck. And he screams, I'm going to play it here for you a minute, but he screams, and it sounds like Homer Simpson in the cartoon. Take a listen. Please help me, help me, help me, dear God. He's not so brave now, Mr. Want to have sex with a 13-year-old girl? What have you done with boys before? Will you suck me? Now, he's just a screaming little predator. Now, the interesting thing about this, and we never really showed this, but later during the editing process, obviously we have a lot of cameras set up. (laughs) And they, they took the isolated shot of me as he was coming back in, and, and <laughs> the look of surprise is uh, uh, quite something. And so when all this was happening, I backed up to get out of the way, and where they finally subdued him was on a floor near a staircase. These guys were coming in uh, on a side door, and there was a front door of the, the house, and a, kind of a foyer, and a staircase going up. And so Dell, who was in the area, Perverted Justice, as I recall, was set up down at the basement, but she had come up with transcripts probably for the next Predator. And she and I go up the staircase to get out of the way of this fracas that's going on. And I look at her and she looks at me and we both decide that, well, this is pretty much under control. And they, they got him. And they were very professional about it. They didn't rough him up. They put him under arrest. And they took him away to be questioned 
at the sheriff's department. And in fact, they found a loaded gun in his vehicle. Patterson, during his interview with detectives, waived his right to a lawyer and admitted that he had been a police trainee and that he was fired by the department. He sugarcoats the story, though. So you're, you're not a sworn police officer? I was for T-Brennan, and then that went down. What happened there? Uh, it was a traffic violation. I violated their SOP, their standard, standard operating procedures. I, uh... I went out and I had, I got some blue red lights and I put them in my car. It was thrown out of court. Yeah, like unauthorized use of emergency yeah, equipment? I wasn't or? supposed to have it in my car, my personal car. So they dismissed me for that, but it was thrown out. How long ago was that? And it turns out that Patterson also was accused of another crime for which he pled guilty. He apparently received a credit card or debit card in the mail that wasn't meant for him and used it to the tune of about $1,400. He had to pay the money back, and he had to go on probation. That was another reason why he was dismissed from the police force. And now, these charges. Now, remember, Patterson crossed state lines. He came from Indiana all the way to get to Kentucky, which brought federal charges as well. And he also admitted to the police in his interview his intentions with a 13-year-old girl. You came for oral sex? That was it. She's had a blowjob or something. Yeah, and in your chats, you talk about her sucking your dick. Yeah. So you had intentions to to at least have oral sex with her? Yeah. And how old did she tell you that she was? She said going on 14. She's going to be 14 in February or something, I believe. Yeah. And you... You knew that wasn't right. I knew it wasn't. But yet you came. I knew I screwed up talking to a girl that age. I knew. I'm not stupid. I'm not no fucking creep, but... I'm not stupid. I'm not no fucking creep. Well, there's more to the police interview when he gets into some detail. The detective asks Patterson if he's ever done this before with anybody this young. I'm sure you've chatted with other females on Yeah, never this young. What What would you say would be the next youngest person that you've chatted with? 18 is the youngest. 18? Yeah, I never would think Did you ever meet anyone else in person from your chats? One. How long ago was that? I met her a couple months ago. He says he's met one other woman in person who he's met online, but she was 18. She lived in Indiana. With his head in his hands, distraught and sad that he got caught, maybe because he didn't get a chance to hook up with the 13-year-old after his five-and-a-half-hour ride, he allows detectives to look at his laptop to confirm a story that he doesn't have child pornography or any other evidence of an illegal liaison. Patterson is charged both with a state crime and with federal crimes. He's sentenced to seven years in prison, 10 years probation, and registration as a sex offender. He got out of prison, and in 2011, get this, actually files a lawsuit against NBC News, claiming that he was defamed, 
that his reputation was harmed by being in the story, that we acted above and beyond the rules of journalism, luring him into the situation. He asked for $40 million. The case was dismissed out of hand. He didn't have a lawyer. He figured out how to file this himself. Now, we don't know exactly what Michael Patterson is doing for a living now, but he resides in Ohio. He is apparently a motorcycle enthusiast. And according to his Facebook page, he is big into religion now. He's found religion. He posts videos with Christian music and talks about his deep faith in God and Christ. So maybe Michael Patterson has turned his life around. Somebody who was a wannabe cop, who violated the rules and the law before he could even get on the force. Somebody who drove five and a half hours to meet a 13-year-old girl for sex. He had a gun and handcuffs in his car. Lied to the girl, lied to me, finally told the truth to the detectives who arrested Maybe he's turned his life around. I reached out to Michael Patterson to see if he'd talk to me for this episode or for one in the future. And I will keep you posted as to what he ultimately said. As you know, I love to hear from you, my listeners. And I encourage all of you to send your questions into me, especially if you have the time to put them in audio file, record the questions. And this week's question comes from Dean in Massachusetts. Hey, Chris, this is Dean McKeever from East Long Meadow, Massachusetts. Just want to say I'm a huge fan of the podcast and everything that you continue to do for the TCAP community. I was just wondering if there were any investigations in particular that as you go back to research for the podcast, in hindsight, you wished you had asked something different to the predator or thought, man, I wish I had waited just a little bit longer to go out and confront the guy. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Just really interested in the research you do when you go back 10, 15 years or more into the first few investigations and your thought process and reflection of yourself as you did these investigations in real time. Thanks again and can't wait to listen to the new podcast as you release them. Thank you, Dean. And that's an excellent question because, as you know, for this podcast, I immerse myself in each case for each episode. And that involves going through the videos, the transcripts, trying to find out through various means what the individual has been up to since they surfaced in our investigation. And it's emotional in a way, it's draining in a way, and it's introspective because I do, as Dean mentioned, think about how I could have done that better. Should I have waited? 
an extra few seconds or minutes before I walk out. Was that the right question to initiate the kind of conversation I wanted to have with this person? And as I always say, anybody can jump out of a, a back room or from behind bushes and get 10 seconds of dramatic video, but that's not my job. My job is to get inside these guys' heads. And so Dean asks, are there any specific examples where I wish I would have done it a little differently? Yes, many. And one that comes to mind is that of Charles Lawrence. Lawrence surfaced in the Fairfield, Connecticut investigation. He was there for a 13-year-old boy. Lawrence was also the one who I had met on the commuter train between Connecticut. When I walked out, he freaked, recognized me, said, oh, Chris, no, it's not what it appeared, or words to that effect. And it took me a minute to realize that this is a guy I knew or had met, crossed paths with on the train. And so when I decided to go out and do that confrontation, it was because he was going to leave the house to go back and get pornographic videos from his vehicle. And my thought process at the time was, well, what if he doesn't come back? What if he somehow gets spooked and he leaves? Now, we'll get the video of the interview with the police for sure, but we missed the confrontation. So I decided to go out and he was already moving towards the door anyway, which gave him momentum to leave. So we really didn't get a chance to engage in a lengthy conversation. So that is one of those cases where I wonder, okay, what would have happened? Maybe I should have let him go get the video and confronted him on his way back in with a pornographic video in his hand. Maybe. I guess we'll never know. I've reached out to Charles as well. I'll ask him that question if he ever gets back. Thank you for joining me in another episode of Predators I've Caught. You can find me on YouTube at Have a Seat with Chris Hansen, on Discovery Plus, and on Cameo. True Blue is coming. Our True Blue is coming in the fall. Our new exclusive crime streaming network that will be the only place to get full episodes of the new Predator investigation. You can always reach me at chris at predatorpodcast.com and as always, I'll be watching and listening.